When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. When I'm on my way to drop off the kids at school and I'm on about five hours of sleep and I haven't had my coffee yet, I'm truly one of a kind. Yeah, this sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. It is. But there is one thing I can do immediately to bring some comfort and calm to the situation and keep me moving forward. Eat Keebler Sandies. I like to think that if the good-looking guy was still around, sitting on the couch, comforting himself about not getting into college, he'd ditch the Cocoa Puffs and down some Keebler Sandies instead. Mixed with chocolate syrup? Ooh, why not? When you need a comforting moment for yourself, Keebler Sandies is the perfect treat to keep you going. Each Keebler Sandies shortbread cookie is baked to perfection by the Keebler Elves for a light sweetness and a texture that melts in your mouth. The next time you feel like you're juggling it all, reach for Keebler Sandies shortbread cookies to enjoy a simple moment of comfort. We got some sad news um, recently. Um, a a towering figure in our lives, or at least in my life, mm-hmm. um, and someone who has figured uh, in, kind of prominently on this podcast um, passed away. David Combs, the incredible studio teacher, um, who we've we've brought up multiple times. Um, uh, passed away rather suddenly. Um, he was only in his early seventies, and uh, we got the news from our our other incredible studio teacher, Wesley Staples. And um, so we thought we'd take a moment, and you know, we had actually been talking about having David and Wesley on this podcast just yes. because we've we've they've come up, and and they were such a huge part of our show and our lives, and um, you know, we've we've noticed that the behind the scenes stories tend to involve them. Um, so anyway, this is not great news, but I, you know, we thought we'd just take a moment to talk about David. Um, yeah, David was a. I mean, we like writer said we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Uh, David was a 
just a really, really special, unique man. He was, I still think to this day, the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. He was smart in every subject. There was nothing he didn't know. There wasn't anything you couldn't have a conversation with him about. Uh, Even in just very casual conversation, you would learn so much from him. He was also very quirky and weird in in some of the funniest ways. We've talked about how he could just deliver. Very eccentric, yeah. 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 And And maybe can we say, I think he would be okay with this, a snob. He was a snob. I think like he took, I think he took, took pride yeah. in being a snob. Yes. He did. Yeah. yeah. He um, brought me to my first museum. He brought me to my first opera. He, um, he once bought me a, an art print and had it framed because at the time I was dating Lance and there was something, we went to this museum and there was a a painting on the wall that I really liked. And um, he bought me the print of it because he said that the reason I liked it is because it reminded me of Lance and I had never really put it together, but it was a Mm. young woman looking lovingly at a young man. And he said that he thought it, you know, that it was that he remembered Mm -hmm. when we were at the museum together seeing me connect because I was not a museum kid I was like this is so boring please don't make me do this and he was like no you're going to go and you're going to like it and he said that he felt like that was the first moment that I actually connected with an art piece and so he bought me the print and he had it framed for me and I still have it and um yeah, I mean, David could deliver just a soul-crushing, um, soul-crushing blow in one sentence without meaning to, like the time when I was like, I have a crush on David Letterman. He's like, hmm, so you're attracted to power. <laughs> um, he's also, I told you guys that he's the one who called a bathing suit a bathing costume, and I bothing absolutely co- love it, a bathing costume. I still call it a bathing costume. I have thought about David, I don't know, once a month. Every month since the time Boy Meets World has ended, at least, there are things that come up in my life all the time. I, the day we got this news about David passing away, I was uh, having a hard time not being in tears all day. And one of the memories that came up for me that I then ended up telling producer Jensen Karp, husband of this podcast about that I thought you guys might appreciate was that for whatever reason, one day, my mom wasn't able to take me home from work. She couldn't pick me up. And I don't know why I then didn't go home with Ryder or Ben like I sometimes would. I would sometimes go home to Encino with Ryder or Ben, and my mom would then leave Calabasas and pick me up in Encino. But for whatever reason, that couldn't be done on this one particular day. And so David Combs drove me home. And David Combs in his car, it was very hot. I don't think the air was working. We had the windows down and he talked the whole way home. He also drove like in the slow lane, very slowly. And I mean, I think some part of the eccentricity of of David is that he's the, you know, he's the, he was the kind of guy who could tell you the origin of a word. Yeah. And it's history and the history of its usage in, in seven different languages, but then he couldn't keep his car clean. Correct. You know what I it mean? It was like, a not clean car. <laughs> it was very cramped feeling. There was stuff everywhere. 
And it was a long drive and we were in traffic and there was no air and the windows were down and my hair was whipping all over the place. And he got lost and I was like trying to tell him where to go, but he wasn't, he, he also d- didn't seem like a, a great driver. Like maybe he was no, not familiar with freeways. frazzled by, no. by like real life stuff. Yes, yeah. very frazzled. <laughs> and I got, he got, we got home and he walked me up to the door and my mom opened the door and Wes, uh, David and my mom talked for, talked for a little bit. And then David left and my mom had been working in the garage. So the way our house was set up was that the garage was directly next door to like where the front door was. So I walked in and my mom was like, I'm in the, you know, I was like tra- talking to my mom and my mom's like, I'm working in the garage, follow me into the garage. So I follow her into the garage as David is walking down and I start loudly complaining about this car ride home with David. I can't believe you made me go home with David Combs. It was terrible. There was no air conditioning. It was a thousand degrees. My hair was whipping all over the place and he wouldn't roll up the windows and then we got lost and he wasn't listening to me and there was stuff all over the car and I'm just acting like a little (laughs) brat. Just complaining about how awful it was that I had to make this drive home with David Combs and I was so mad. And David heard every word. Oh, no. But David didn't let me get away with it and just... Let me know. No. No. He turned around and he walked back up to the front door and he rang the doorbell and the doorbell rings and we're like, who's that? And I realize it's David and I open the door and I go, hi. He goes, Danielle, I heard everything you said. I'm sorry that it was such an awful experience for you driving in my car. I thought I was doing something nice and wonderful for you, doing you the favor of taking you home. And I have mortified. never been more mod- mortified in my entire life. And there have been times when I have woken up at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> hey, and, you're and still thinking about cannot it. go back to sleep <laughs> yep. because I'll be like, <gasps> remember that time in 1994 when David Combs drove you home and he heard you talking bad, like bad mouthing him? Just absolutely devastating. Um, yeah. He was quite a guy. Yeah. I was just going to say very briefly, because I was only with him for a year, because I only had, but he was my only teacher for a year. Like, Wesley was never my teacher. I only had right. David for one one year. And he would do very interesting and unique things with you to pass the time. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that that had happened was, I we've talked about this, I was a terrible student before Boy Meets World started. And then you're sitting in there with one teacher who, as Danielle said, is one of, if not the smartest people you'll ever meet in your life. He spoke seven languages. He used to be yeah. the tutor to the Shaw of Iran's kids. I mean, it was, he was a very smart man. And my school back in Connecticut didn't know what to do with me. So essentially they said, pick a college and take whatever courses you want. So by a combination of picking the courses I want and having David as my teacher, he, ta- he taught me to love learning. Mm-hmm. And what would happen was, I, I would have a week off in between, you know, we'd have our week hiatus, but because I lived in Connecticut, I wasn't flying home every time. It was just too much. So a lot of times David would take me places and he would pick these places that were educational without you knowing they would be educational. I so, with you too. That oh yeah. Amazing. So like one of the things we did, he called me, he's like, Hey, the LA subway is opening up today. It's the inaugural ride. We're going. It was for one block. It was as much as it was open. We, he, we drove downtown. We got on the subway for the inaugural ride. We drove one block and we walked upstairs. Mm-hmm. He'd call me again later. He goes, have you ever been to the oldest street in Los Angeles? Come on, we're going to, it was Alvarado Street. We're going mm-hmm. there uh, to, to get some, some good Mexican food. Let's go. And he'd pick you up and you'd go and you'd do stuff. 
And it was just these little moments that he would take with you. And then when we got the closest was my final uh, project for senior year in Latin was to uh, translate the Odyssey. And he and I sat there every day and worked on Latin together. We sat sat on the couch Mm. and I would want him to just translate it. And he's like, I'm not translating this book for you. He's like, this is not how this works. And so we would, we'd work through all the conjunctions and stuff. it was just, it I was would sit there with you guys. I don't know if you remember, yeah. but that's how I learned the story of the Odyssey. Oh, did you I really? Would, yeah. I would sit with you guys while you were doing it. Cause then I did it later when I, cause I then decided to take Latin because you guys had done it. Okay. And I would sit there and listen to you, uh, you know, and you would basically be telling me the story of the Odyssey because you would be translating from that's the Latin. It so was cool. It was, he was brilliant, eccentric weird he -hmm. could be rude he could be off-putting he would do things that he would pick up right away like for a week he would ride his folding bike to school (laughs) yeah you remember that and then i'd have to drive him home because he'd be like well i can't drive home and i'd be like how'd you get here and he's like i drove my bike on the freeway i'm like you were on the freeway (laughs) on that little folding bike (laughs) and it was just he was an odd man who could really make learning a ton of fun. And I wish yeah. I knew him better than I did. And, and you and Danielle certainly knew him better than I did. But he was a good guy. And, and he will certainly always hold a very special place in my heart, especially on, when I think of anything intellectual. Um, he, yeah. he, he's somehow in the conversation. And, uh, and I'm honored to have known him. I really am. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think maybe it just needs to be stated for our listeners who who don't know a studio teacher usually is not this involved no like a studio teacher job is actually sort of like uh, you know it it varies from being basically a daycare you know where you're just sort of there or like you're you're a substitute teacher like you're and you're a substitute teacher who's there for all subjects so you know a lot of them specialize in one or two things but really they specialize in just making sure that you get your homework done yeah. basically like mm-hmm. they, they they keep you in the classroom and they oversee you doing your homework and david as obviously from the stories you're hearing just went so far above and yeah. beyond that um you know he within the first the first year of being on boy meets world he flew up to my hometown to meet with all of my teachers at my tiny school in the middle of the woods. I mean, I, you know, I have a a whole school of only 50 kids and he met with every one of my teachers. Um, Yeah. He took us to everything. He took me to London and Paris for weeks. Uh, Took me to my first ballet, my first opera, took me Mm -hmm. to movie screenings, uh, Clockwork Orange, amazing late night, midnight screenings of movies in LA. He, he, he brought David Trainer. He found out David Trainer did Shakespeare and he brought him into our classroom to teach us Shakespeare. Yeah. Took me to poetry readings, local music shows. When I wanted to leave high school early, he convinced me to stay and instead got me signed up for correspondence courses like you will at college courses, got me, you know, teaching that. I mean, it sent me up for my interview at Occidental College where I ended up going to school. I wasn't even going to apply. He just was like, no, you, and he set me up with the interview and I got in, um, you know, I it just changed my life. Changed yeah. My yeah. Life. He, he, he loved really, being a teacher. He, he really, loved and it. he took it upon himself to make sure that the kids he came in contact with on TV shows were not going to wind up being uncultured dummies because they had had bad educations because they had been taken out of real school. He looked at it as an opportunity to actually give you 
an even better education than you were going to get at whatever school you came from because you could be one-on-one or three-on-one, however many kids were in his tiny little class on a set. He really made sure we were well-rounded, cultured, educated little weirdos just like him. And I I I think he succeeded. the, The one thing that he did... I know he did this with you, Danielle. I don't know if he ever did this with you, Will, but that changed me irrevocably and I will always cherish is every once in a while, you'd be in the classroom, usually not when you were done with your regular schoolwork, and he would just pull down a book because he had a Mm -hmm. classroom full of books and start reading poetry. Yes. And, you know, poems you had never heard of, poems like he would have, you know, the great pantheon of English literature at his fingertips. John Donne, John Keats, uh, Shakespeare, yeah, uh, anybody. And he would read and not only read and talk about the poems and like go, but he would start to cry. Yeah. And I yeah. remember him weeping openly, reading poetry. And I think about that now. It's like not only was this man like engaging with us intellectually and saying, like, learn these things. Um because they're good for your brain, but he was unafraid to, to, to show that art is emotional, that it changes yeah. you, that it makes you feel things and that, you know, and, and that it's okay to cry list, reading this poem or listening to this poem. Um, and like, you know, I, I read poetry to my son all the time now and yeah. I would never, I don't think I would ever do that except for David. Um, yeah. He also taught me how to read poetry. Like I remember him because he wouldn't just pull down books and read it himself. He would pull down a book and open up to a thing and say, read me this, Mm -hmm. read this to me. And I would read it and I would read it the way I thought poetry was supposed to be read, like with the pauses at the end of every line or whatever. And he would say, you don't have to pause there. You can just read it like a story. You can just read through. You can just read, you know. And I remember him you know, there's something for whatever reason that um, can feel intimidating. Poetry can feel intimidating. Oh, he so took away all of the intimidation yeah. and just made it. You just read it. You can read it. You can read a small. We can just read it for two minutes. You don't have to sit down and dedicate four hours to poetry. You can read yeah. it for five minutes. You can read it before bed. You can read it whenever. Um, and so, yeah, he David Combs, truly a life changing man um, who we will miss very much. And we just wanted to give that little tribute to him because um, we were really honestly, we were a bit devastated to find out that news. So welcome to Pod Meets World. I'm Danielle Fischel. I'm Ryder Strong. And I'm Will Friedle. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ionic 5 is a tech Ford electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. 
backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, Jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job, not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. Express Employment Professionals is the local jobs expert you can trust, and they never charge a fee to help with your job search. Go to ExpressPros.com to find the office near you or download the Express Jobs app to get started. With a wide range of opportunities in a variety of industries, from welding to sales, forklift operator to customer service, the team at Express is ready to help you or someone you know take the next career step. Whether you're looking for a contract job for the summer or a new full-time role, turn to Express Employment. Interviewing with Express Employment Professionals can be as easy as a phone call. And one application with Express puts you in the running for numerous opportunities in your community. Don't go in your job search alone. Visit ExpressPros.com today. So we are going to recap season two, episode 22, Career Day, which originally aired May 12th, 1995. The synopsis is that after Sean finds out his mother has run away, his father takes off to find her, leaving him completely alone, looking for somewhere to stay. Also, Eric is having trouble studying for the SATs, and Alan feels like a disappointment at Corey's school career day. It was directed by David Trainer. It was written by Matthew Nelson. His is this first his first episode? one? It is his first one, yes. right? That's what I thought. I wrote that down. Gosh, I was like, is this so his first funny. one? I didn't think yes. he was there at all in season wow, two. Wow, that's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that because there's something about this episode that felt very, I don't know, that just makes sense. If, if, yeah, it, feel, it just makes now sense. I, now it makes sense. Like that's This feels like a Nelson episode. Feels very Nelson. Yes. And, yeah. you know, we talked about how he was like a, a, a Sean voice yeah. in the room. Yeah. And like that's clear in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Nelson. So it is guest starring Blake Clark, who arrives for the first time Blake. as Chet Hunter. Yay. Jason Marsden is Jason Marsden. Darlene Vogel returns as Catherine Cat Tompkins. And Peter Tork of the Monkees as Jedediah Lawrence, also for the first time. The first and, Topanga's dad. Yes. Topanga's and dad number one. Will Estes returns as Alex. 
So to recap, we are in Mr. Turner's classroom. Alan walks into Mr. Turner's classroom for career day. Corey is bummed. Corey says everyone will know his dad isn't an NBA player. He's a grocer's son, a son of a grocer. Son of a grocer. Son of a grocer. (laughs) Alan comes over to Corey and Sean to read his note cards about how many different kinds of rice they have. Even Sean admits he's happy he isn't Corey. Jedediah, Topanga's dad, is up first for career day. He tells everyone he is a luthier, someone who makes musical instruments. Sean jokes and says that is the nuttiest religion. I'm a Presbyterian, so to each his own. Yeah. (laughs) And Topanga tells her daddy to share who called their house last night. And he says, Tippy, they don't want to hear that. Sean and Corey can't believe Tippy and they start to make fun of her. But Topanga turns around and growls at them. Are you ever so, called Tippy again? Is, but is there so. ever a Tippy again? Because that you know. figured that would stick somehow. Well, yeah. Or maybe the same actor playing her dad would stick. I mean, well, yeah, I know. But you figured Tippy is something where it's like somebody would have called her that eventually down the well, line again. This just felt like a season one beat. Like this whole right. run. Yeah. Because like you yep. turn the growling was very much like the original Topanga. The spirit, yeah. Original Topanga. And then, of course, your dad being this sort of hippy dippy musician yeah luthier that's yeah, and you guys felt- making fun of topanga yeah. for being that yep. i mean it did it felt very Danielle, you yep. look extremely tan to me i was i, a, I agree so too. Yes. very tan but then very i'm also just off the clearly beach. starting to deal with acne because i am also incredibly made up this entire episode like are you oh, i didn't notice that at all oh, yeah, okay. i didn't notice that either like, I, nope, i'm starting to break out something awful yeah i, I was I'm trying covered. to figure out because normally i'm very tan in the very early parts of the of a <laughs> right. season because i right. would have come back from hawaii but i noticed that as well and i wonder if it was just a makeup choice yeah maybe maybe or maybe like we talked about when we were recapping the last episode there was this weird gap maybe we really did have like a break like a spring break for some reason this year maybe why i don't know had to have been something i I had to have been something that that happened yeah i'm not sure so guess uh it is then revealed it was bruce springsteen who called the house everyone is very impressed alan jokes well he can make these guitars but can he play them and then jedediah starts playing the guitar perfectly like he's in the monkeys and alan even says he's toast and then we get our first little commercial break so how do you guys feel about that hey little girl your dad is your daddy home joke is your daddy home joke really not good yeah no not not great so peter torques Dad or mom, I can't remember which one, was my parents' college professor. Really? In Connecticut. He taught, I think it was at the University of Connecticut. He or she, I don't know if it was his mom or dad, but was one of their, I think, law professors back in the day. Mm. And I remember telling that to Peter and he was like, oh. (laughs) Okay. Well, nice meeting you. Thanks for coming to the show. Good story. (laughs) Okay. So then we're in Mr. Turner's classroom. Alan is up next for his career day presentation. Mr. Turner jokes Alan isn't going to talk about how much rice he stocks. There's more to it than that. And Alan throws away his first note card with all the rice jokes, which is... Again, Rusty so good. Rusty so good. So, he played Great the... Just him. going mm-hmm. back to the, right, the start of his, like, how many how many rices do you think you have? Like, he's so excited. I know. And yeah. Sean's like, uh, 10? He's like, 10. <laughs> 10 when he won he's so excited by not even it. including the short grains yeah, the short grains or the long grain he he plays kind of goofy excited so yeah. well yeah and then he instantly can change into alan's the dad but that kind of like oh i'm in my element goofy excited oh god rusty oh his element. range in this episode is remarkable awesome because yeah. where awesome. we end up 
totally different. That that sort of goofy beginning. Yep. And the yeah, it's wonderful. So cool. Alan nervously reads off his cards about being a grocer, that he's proud of his job since everyone needs groceries. He says they actually sell dreams. And a student, Will Estes, yells, what aisle? What aisle? Which is funny. It's a great heckle. What aisle? (laughs) So then we continue in Turner's classroom. The speech is now over and Alan is walking around the classroom handing out coupons. Okay, so who didn't didn't get a coupon? Who didn't get a coupon? (laughs) He was great. It's so funny. And, uh... Turner says, that took guts. Corey asks Sean if the presentation was as bad as he thought. And Sean says, no, he got 60 cents off of Apple Jacks. <laughs> and then Chet Hunter, Sean's dad, walks in for the first appearance ever. Like a tornado. But it's, it's also, so great. It's such a Nelson thing because it's such a great misdirect. You think it's going to be an episode about how Corey's embarrassed by his dad. Yep. And it's going to be the stereotypical. He doesn't have the cool job at work. And, oh, the story's obviously going one way. And then, bam, here comes Blake. Yep. And it takes it to a whole different thing. I thought it was really clever the way they set it up. They it really yeah. thought you were going one way. And then they just throw well, in this It, it still ends up paying off the Alan storyline. Yeah, it does. That's what's, like, even, exactly. that's what's even more amazing right. about it. It does come back around yeah. perfectly. Uh, but, but Blake comes in Blake. like a wrecking ball, and it's phenomenal. Ugh, so good. Yeah, so good. So Chet apologizes for being late. He says he was in the hall smoking. Don't endorse it. Don't deny it. Don't deny it. So don't good. endorse it. Don't deny it. That he and he Dusty. slaps Dusty on the back so hard. It's so great. Corey asks Sean what his dad does for work. And Sean tells him to shush. He wants to find out, too, which is amazing. Chet says he doesn't make things or sell food. It's hard to put a finger on what he does, but he mostly buys and sells things. Corey points out that Sean isn't breathing through his speech. <laughs> you go, Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Chet says sometimes he sells a fridge sometimes a car but what he sells best is selling ideas he says he even came up with a 24 hour news station and Topanga asks you came up with CNN he says yes that's exactly what I called it Chet News Network but he told it to a southern man in an elevator who stole his idea he then asks Mr. Turner his last name and Turner says no relation no relation (laughs) a little Ted Turner joke Corey says Sean's dad is something, and Sean agrees. Yeah, he's something. Chet continues his dishonest rant and asks everyone, who here has a microwave oven? Students raise their hands, and Chet then says, you're welcome. Uh, So then we're in the school cafeteria. Eric tells Jason he's in the SAT zone, and all his other senses are shut down. And then he drops his bowl of soup on his lap and doesn't notice. This is one of the biggest laughs we've ever had. I remember this, people loving all this physical stuff, and it was, this is also the start of dramatic show going on, give Eric wacky stuff to do as dramatic show goes on around him. This was like the genesis of that. Because I remember this, I remember pulling the soup into my lap and really? I Marsden being I, there. and I honestly didn't see what happened at first. Like, it kind of like, boom, and then the audience just kept going. Yeah. And I was like... What just happened? And it didn't really register for me. Like, so I kind of missed it, but man, I the saw it happen it. right off the bat. It also missed, has been, you know, Jensen Cart producer of this podcast also missed it. 
Okay. And he was like, wait, what happened? I said, yeah. he just tipped his whole bowl of soup into his lap. And the audience just, I mean, you're right. It's one of the longest audience yeah. laughs we've ever heard. It was so funny. Yeah. Uh, this whole Jason's little beat then. Just that too, yeah. You know, it's him giving the, the deadpan look yep. while you... And still with the bread, like there's no soup there, but I'm like sopping up stuff on I the know. tray. Oh. <laughs> it was fun. Oh, this is so much. This is fun. the start of just they're gonna do, they're gonna go act and be dramatic, and I'm gonna do the wacky stuff. Yeah. Um, which is I had especially at the beginning, I had no problem with. I thought it was great. It was kind of like all right, so funny. Yeah. And it's 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 interesting that it is a storyline which now is like the third time about you being bad at school or struggling yeah. in yeah. school, but like, still studying. It's like, right. yeah, you're trying hard. hard. Yeah. Trying to study for the SATs and I know how important they are and, and that kind of, so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where the transition, the actual transition is going to be to like, oh, it's, he doesn't care about it. Just doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So Jason tells Eric, he spilled soup on his lap and then Eric says, what? And then he looks down and starts screaming. Corey nearby is eating with Sean, and he says he envies the son of a baseball player who let the ball go under his legs at the World Series. He's referencing Red Sox first baseman Bill Buckner. He is. 86. Yikes. You can still hear the call. Oh, yeah. But Sean says Alan wasn't that bad. Corey asks, the cantaloupe is your friend? And Sean admits that part was bad. But I don't know, guys. Shady Melon. Shady, Shady Melon, Shady right. Melon. I didn't even think oh. about that. Shady Melon's back. Is your friend. Shady Melon Everybody is your one. friend. Everybody knows one. Corey says Chet was amazing and told great stories. And Sean says, "Yeah, that's just what they were—stories." A student is eating cantaloupe nearby and says he's eating Alan's best friend. And Corey says he has to transfer. Chet and Mr. Feeney walk in. Mr. Feeney closely following Chet, saying Chet is not allowed to be on uh, campus unless he is a student, faculty, or staff. But Chet says he has business on this campus. Chet even tells him he's George Feeney, principal of the high school, which (laughs) this is a great bit. Yeah. Feeney obviously has a problem with this, and he tells him he is not George Feeney. And Chet says, I'm parked in his spot, ain't I? So great. Sean then runs over and explains to Mr. Feeney that Chet is his dad. Feeney backs away and says he's very proud of Sean. Chet says he's surprised to hear that. And Mr. Feeney says, so am I. (laughs) And then he leaves. As Feeney leaves, Chet asks Sean if he kissed his mom goodbye this morning. And Sean says, yes. Chet says, good. That's going to have to last you a while. Chet says she left them. And Sean says she'll come back just like she always does. But Chet says this time is different because she took off and took the house with her. And then he says this great line. That's the yeah. problem with having a mobile home. It's You can move it. You can move just, it. Just great. Can we talk a little bit uh, <laughs> about how dark that is that your mom <laughs> not only leaves you, but is taking all of your possessions. Forget Chet. Just Sean, taking all of your possessions, the place you've got to live, your Mm -hmm. bed, everything, I'm out. That's super dark. I know. I mean, it is. it went from the funny stuff in season one of like, are my uncle this or my aunt that? Or being in the trailer park. This season, man. Was that really what it went? Because now it's like, yikes. No, it's it's so it's so interesting. Like this is that transition that you know we've sort of been building towards, but especially with basically wrong side of the tracks to now, it's like this is taking Sean's poverty and family situation, which was base, you know, jokes like off camera jokes, and turning them on their head and being like, yeah, what if this was the reality for a kid 
Um, and it's great. I think and, oh, I agree. Oh, I think it's awesome. But it is. It's, it's dark. A cool transition. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's cool. And you got to. And and you can only do that when you have somebody like Blake. Right. Because yeah. it's like it's the 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 ridiculousness and the over the topness of this guy makes that darkness softer or, or lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't mix yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 yeah. it's okay. It's like, it, you're able to be laughing at it while also still recognizing yeah. that that is really awful. Really yeah. awful. But yeah. he's the eternal optimist, bring- which is great. You know, he's always the glass is half right. full and I invented the glass anyway. So no right. big deal. He's, <laughs> exactly. You know, he's that guy and it's, yeah. it makes it work, you know? So, right. but yeah. it, I'm, I'm curious because we do end up bringing my mom into the show. Um, yeah. And who's named not- Verna. Yeah. Is that right? Because yeah. we were talking about how you never saw her and you just, it, it, it was right. it was like Vera from Cheers. And when exactly. we do, I was like, oh, they actually even named her Verna. They're similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so was, she, yeah, I don't remember what season it is. I don't know if it's like fifth or sixth or whatever. But It's definitely late, we, yeah. Yeah, we do some dramatic, and I think we end up kind of addressing these abandonment points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's, it, gives, it gives your character so much more depth. Um, but God, Blake does just come in like a wrecking ball. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so great. Good. Oh, so good. When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ioniq 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ioniq 5 is a tech Ford electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, Jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job, not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. Express Employment Professionals is the local jobs expert you can trust, and they never charge a fee to help with your job search. Go to ExpressPros.com to find the office near you or download the Express Jobs app to get started. With a wide range of opportunities in a variety of industries, from welding to sales, forklift operator to customer service, the team at Express is ready to help you or someone you know take the next career step. Whether you're looking for a contract job for the summer or a new full-time role, turn to Express Employment. Interviewing with Express Employment Professionals can be as easy as a phone call. And one application with Express puts you in the running for numerous opportunities in your community. Don't go in your job search alone. Visit ExpressPros.com today. So when Sean asks what they're going to do now, Chet says they're going to go after her. Do you still have that keen sense of smell? Sean says he can't just ditch school. He's got to tell somebody. Chet says, okay, but he has to leave before that little mustache man has a duck. (laughs) On his way out, uh, Chet tells Corey that his dad, the cantaloupe man, is good people. Mark my word. Then he leaves. Corey asks. This kind of bothered me in, Hmm. in the previous scene and then in this one. Just a logic point. Chet's not there for Rusty's. No, I thought the same thing. He's yeah, not. No. He's also not there for for Danielle's father, and he's exactly. like, this guy, this guy makes stuff, it. and it's like, well, you weren't there for any of that. Yeah, it I thought the same thing. The heck well, hold on, hold on. Stupid logic points. They tried like, to address it by saying, "Sorry, I was late. I was actually in the hall having a smoke." So he overheard okay, so he the overheard, whole okay. thing. He overheard. He said, hall. he said, "I was in the he hall." He said, "I was in the okay. hall uh, having a smoke." All right, so that wow, you could smoke in a school hallway. No, of course not. <laughs> Absolutely, that's Unless not you walk allowed, into the bathroom but, and say, cool. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So that way they could reveal the character as a Correct. surprise, but still yes. have him reference. Okay. Exactly. So he I says, I was late, but actually oh. I wasn't in the hall. I was just in the hall having a smile. Oh, okay. so, because I, yeah. I missed that. And yep. then I was just bombed. Me too. Yeah. So good, they, they did cover call, it. Daniel. Good call. Um, so Corey asks Sean if he's okay. And Sean pretends like he's fine. And he goes to help his dad. And Corey is left with concerns. And then we're in the Matthews kitchen. Eric and Jason walk in talking about their SATs. Jason is using big SAT words. And eventually Eric yells at him to shut up. Alan hears this and asks what's wrong. And Eric says he has a stiffness in his back and all across his shoulders. And Alan tells him. Do you remember him, this, Will? No. Didn't remember any of this. So funny. funny. I remember the burned clothes for some reason. I know. Because why are your clothes burned? But I don't think we ever address it, do we? No. no. We have no idea what's happened to you. Yeah. And I think I want to say that that same outfit minus the burns has been worn before. Or oh, okay. I owned that exact same outfit. <laughs> right. Or it was yours. One of those things. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So Alan tells him that's because he has a coat, a a coat hanger in his jacket. No, really, you do. And he pulls out a full coat hanger. Uh, This also reveals that all of his clothes are ripped and burned. You like take off your jacket and we just see your clothes are completely shredded and burned and it's never explained. Nope. And I guess we've really just... I don't know. So many things. I, I think the point might be that there are, if you're not really paying attention and all your senses are gone, there are so many things you could burn yourself on out in the world. Just keep getting burned. Well, I mean, over and over joke. again. I mean, for the rest of the episode, Eric's just going to keep hurting yeah. himself and burning himself or electrocuting himself or yeah, walking yeah. into trees. And I, I was thinking, and it's fine. I'm just realizing now, like, so the, the device is that you're like, you've, you're so focused on the SATs that you've lost the ability to like basically function otherwise. Right. Right. But this does become Eric. 
Like, yeah. Right. And and so in a way, I wonder if this episode inaugurated that idea in the writer's minds right. that you could you're just really funny to watch being ridiculous. Goofy. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, again, so yeah. they 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 had this reason for you to be this ridiculous and goofy. And then they just kind of made that your character and just went with it. And it also a lot of it happens off camera. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Um, and I feel like in, in some ways, as the show goes on, they they brought it on camera. Like they, yeah. you know, it has to sort of start off camera because it's it's kind of cartoony and ridiculous. But eventually you'll just be doing these kinds of antics and physical humor on camera. Yeah. Well, I think it's also I think they really like you both said at the beginning, the laugh with the soup was one of the biggest laughs we've gotten. Yeah. That's not just because I was being super funny. That is because the rest of the episode is you're it's kind of dramatic. So it makes the the laughs, the goofiness right. sharper. Right. So, you know, it's it's kind of you see this juxtaposition of the two different storylines of this absurdity and then this almost kind of soap opera drama that's going on next to it. And so I think the writers realize like, ooh, we can get him really sharp laughs. And we can have them sucked into this part of the conversation. And so all of a right. sudden, it's that that balance between the two. And it, it started to work. It just did. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, I, I noticed that as well. But it was, it was fun. I mean, that's how I looked at it. It's like, it was, it was fun. To, yeah. Here, yeah. Put on, put on clothes that are all burned and you're going to be making loud noises and burning yourself yeah. here. Burning. It's like, okay. Like, that just yeah. was goofy. Yeah. Loved it. Eric says he's not going to go to college, just like Alan. And Alan says he should go to college, just so that eventually when one day he's at his son's career day, he doesn't have to say he's a grocer. Eric asks, what's the matter? We're all going to die anyway. And Jason responds by saying, well, aren't we nihilistic? Some might even say vacuitous, showing off his new SAT smarts. And Eric asks, if you're so smart, why don't you understand? Shut up. Which (laughs) I thought was very funny. Eric says he's going to do well with his street smarts and natural instincts, and then he places his hand on a hot stove and runs upstairs. Amy walks in and asks what happens, and when she finds out, she says, again? See, it's starting to establish that it's not just, maybe this is just Eric's way, you know? Like, this is where, yeah. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, we might call it that Eric is a little bit clumsy. Yeah. So then we hear Eric from upstairs, and Amy says, oh, my fault, I left the iron on. Amy asks Alan how career day went, and Alan says he envies the baseball player who let the ball go between his legs at the World Series. Bill Buckner is really getting it rough this episode. Yeah, was that the Just second the second, second reference? Yep. Man. They're yeah. not going to let him go. They are. They have now. They've all actually forgiven, not only forgiven Buckner, but realized that it, the, all the hate towards him was ridiculous. They invited yep. him back to Fenway. They exactly. gave him this big day. He absolutely has a nice. Has well, a isn't nice there another guy, like the Cubs fan, who caught... Yeah, that, yeah, which is another one where, you know, it's like the team let the lead go. It's not it's not that. I mean, it was as a fan, you probably you don't interfere with it. The, but you're also your instinct is to reach up for a foul ball. That's what totally. you do as a fan. So it's tough. Poor Buckner. So Alan says he's boring because of his job. But Amy says that's what he does for work. Not all he does. She also says, would I have married you if you were boring? And Alan says, apparently. Amy says, I bet Corey is very proud of you and can't wait to tell you. Just in time, Corey comes in and asks if Sean called. They say no, but they ask why. And Corey explains that his mom took off. Alan and Amy are concerned. The lights flicker and Eric yells again from upstairs. Jason comes running down and tells them, everything is fine. Your son is fine. He just needs some ice. And then clearly in a frenzy, he opens up the freezer door and yanks out the entire bin of ice and goes running upstairs. And I think that was an ad lib from Jay. I think at first it was like he goes in there and he grabs some ice and then like runs out with the ice. And then Uh I think another take, he just grabbed the whole thing and got a much bigger laugh. I think that was, I think that was Jay. That's the way to go. Yeah, definitely. 
I love the 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 second half of this scene. Or actually I just think the scene in general is a great balance, you know. Yeah. Fine, like nice to see Alan and Amy talking to each other yeah. about parenting kitchen. and their feelings. Kitchen scenes, man. And all, but just also like I love Alan's insecurity and yeah. her supporting that, you know, and it just yep. feels nice. It's we it's been a while. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. It's a nice dynamic to see back. And then we're at Mr. Turner's apartment. Turner is on another date with Ms. Tompkins. They're getting cozy on the couch. And she says they've been dating for three months. She asks where this is going. He tries to get out of answering. And then there's a knock at the door. He tells her he did not plan this, but he's obviously thrilled to be saved by the knock. And it's Sean at the door who has a question. Sean then notices Ms. Tompkins and he thinks they're just working late and then quickly realizes... Oh, they're on a date. That was a great he, transition. That was a great. That was a great, was. great beat there. Uh, Boy, Ryder, teachers, really you guys sure work late. Oh, oh, oh very yeah. cute. Very fun. Um, and then Sean apologizes and says he didn't realize they have personal lives, which is also a which is so yeah, I love that. so real life. So, like, so kids, true. Exactly yeah, the way kids absolutely. think. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Miss Tompkins says she'll leave, and Sean says, no, don't, we'll all hang. She kisses Turner on the cheek and says, we'll talk. Sean comes in and says, I like her. Do you like her? I like her. And Turner asks Sean why he's there and why he's out so late. Sean starts to explain his dad is out looking for his mom and then asks a pretend random question about Forrest Hemingway. (laughs) Of course. And Sean continues to stall and walks around the apartment. Sean sees some food on the kitchen table and he says, wow, you guys were really having a dinner. Turner offers him some leftovers, but Sean says, no, thanks. I already ate. And then as Turner starts to put it away, Sean says, oh, I might just pick at it. And then he starts feverishly eating. Devouring in Sean fashion. I have a question. Do you think Sean went to the apartment wanting to spend the night there? Or do you think he just went because he like needed to talk to somebody friendly and was going to go back to the motel later. And cause he seemed to like the idea of the motel. He seemed to like the idea of the pay-per-view. I mean, do you think he went there with the sole goal of like, I'm, I want to crash with Turner tonight. Like I feel safer with somebody else around. I don't think he thought it all the, that way through, but I think those goals are the same. Okay. Yes. Like, Makes I sense. Think, I think right. the immediate, the immediate need was, Oh, Turner's apartment is right near this hotel. I can walk here. Right. I, I need. I should go see Mr. Turner. Right. And maybe yeah. maybe he has some food. And then you know. And then it like. But I don't think Sean's thinking it all the way through. But right. Obviously, that's what he really right. It's like want and need. Yeah, right? well, like, exactly. It's what, what he needed to be. Need. Obviously, what of course. He needs is you yeah. know apparent. Um, yeah. And what he wants is is more immediate than that. And he's thinking he can just hang out with Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's uh, it's a little like how we've talked about the self-awareness certain characters have on Boy Meets World, um, where it would be a very Sean thing to say on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to Turner's house because I really needed a father figure and I needed somebody who felt like a moral compass and someone to feel grounded. But ultimately kid logic right, he right, had right. Yeah. Ju- he just thought he would go there but so deep down we know i know yeah like, of course what, yeah this scene feels very immediate it feels yes. very organic it feels it really feels real like yeah i love yeah. it's scene, much man. more I, meaningful yeah, me and much more touching that sean is exhausted and yeah. starving and not in, in any way shape or form presenting as that ex- yeah. you know he's showboating as something else um, and you and tony together is just oh, great it's so it's beautiful really really great it's such a good dynamic the characters work so well together it yeah. is it's phenomenal yeah really yeah. Is. this this is so weird but this is like maybe the first scene that while i was watching it oh god i don't know how to explain like 
I saw myself as a kid. Mm. Like, I don't know why, like, obviously I can look at all the other episodes and, but I think in, when I watched the other episodes, there was something like I was putting myself in my own shoes and like mm-hmm. imagining like what it was like to be acting in the scene, if I could remember it or if I did, but in this scene, I was like, oh, that, that's a kid. Like, yeah, right. it's a kid You're a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like this. And I just saw myself as this young and maybe because I could see Indy's face on my own face, like, because mm-hmm. Indy looks like me and I could see like, there's a, there a couple beats where I just, I really like, oh my, I was young. Like I'm right. like, like this yeah. little vulnerable person. It's the right. first time I felt that way watching this show. Hmm. It's weird. Well, Mr. Turner asked Sean where he's staying until his dad gets back, and Sean said his dad gave him some money for a motel down the street. Turner is concerned by what is alluded to being a shady motel and asks if he's sure he's going to be okay there. Turner says he can stay with him, and Sean says, nah, he already paid the guy $5 to turn on the TV, and he gave him clean sheets. Turner tells him, well, while you're there, you know, you can come over any time to relax, eat, talk, or not talk, just hang out. And as Turner keeps talking and cleaning up, he eventually turns around to notice that Sean has fallen asleep on the couch. Very sweet, touching moment. Turner says, I talk and he sleeps. It's like class. And he half-acidly puts a blanket on Sean. Um, And the slow build of Turner as Sean's father figure is just really starting to pay off here. It's 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 great. It's a great great build and a great start to what's going to come. Yeah. yeah, so nice. And then we're in Mr. Feeney's backyard. Turner is there explaining to Feeney Sean's current situation. He couldn't just drop him back off at the motel last night. Feeney asks where Sean is now, and he says he dropped him off at the Matthews house. And I love seeing this dynamic of Feeney concerned and Turner, adults. concerned yes. adults, yep. but also Feeney being the person that Turner goes to to talk to him about what's going on. Feeney obviously knows these kids better than he does. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just the way it feels, how naturally now Feeney and Turner are a part of this Matthews and and Sean Hunter family. Community. Yeah. This real community of of raising these children. Yep. Yeah. That yeah, feels really nice. It also makes perfect sense where he says to him, where, where, yeah. well, where were you? He's like, well, I just dropped him off at the Matthews house. Like, they didn't have yeah. to explain why he was there. It's like, of course he'd be there. Exactly. So, yeah, it was great. And then Feeney says Chet should be able to find his way home. Even a pigeon can do that. But Turner needs to be careful about being an authority figure and a chum. He says the line between the two is very fine. And then Which Alan walks it's out. going to become a big theme of the next season, right? Yeah. Like, yep. That's the whole Turner Sean dynamic is and that's ge- and that's genuinely a thing that matters when you're when you're a Ooh, teacher. Yeah. I mean that's a that's a huge thing. Is that there is that line? But am I getting too involved in somebody's life? And yeah, yeah really, well, really it's good. a it's a fine line, really. If you think about it, any relationship an adult has with a child, yeah, there should it's a fine line between yeah. you know because I notice it as a director, like I want to be there for the actors that are a lot of times kids on the show, but I also can't be involved in too much of your personal life and your personal drama because you know it is it blurs the line yeah it blurs the line so those blurred lines between adults who have relationships whatever those different types of relationships are with kids there's it's always a fine line of not crossing crossing a boundary um because it's very easy to cross over one it's very hard to ever put the boundary back up yeah once a boundary's been knocked over it's much harder to build the barrier again so 
Um, Alan walks out with the trash and Turner thanks him again for coming on career day. And Alan says, no problem. Anytime. If those kids ever get rowdy, I'll just come on in and sedate them. And then Amy walks out and says Alan needs to come back inside because Chet Hunter is at their house. Turner asks if it's okay for him to join. He has some things he wants to say to Chet and they make their way into the house. Feeney quickly calls Turner back and he says to tread softly. When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ioniq 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ioniq 5 is a tech-forward electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job, not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. Express Employment Professionals is the local jobs expert you can trust, and they never charge a fee to help with your job search. Go to ExpressPros.com to find the office near you or download the Express Jobs app to get started. With a wide range of opportunities in a variety of industries, from welding to sales, forklift operator to customer service, the team at Express is ready to help you or someone you know take the next career step. Whether you're looking for a contract job for the summer or a new full-time role, turn to Express Employment. Interviewing with Express Employment Professionals can be as easy as a phone call. And one application with Express puts you in the running for numerous opportunities in your community. Don't go in your job search alone. Visit ExpressPros.com today.
And then we're in Corey and Eric's room. Corey and Sean are throwing a ball back and forth. And Sean says he's staying at a motel and invites Corey over to skateboard in the pool and watch cable. We have have you ever talked about like this place? I know. Really (laughs) funny joke. (laughs) But before I even got to that funny joke about the cable, have we ever talked about you guys skateboarding? Nope. No. Suddenly you guys are skateboarding in a pool? So you're like in a half pipe? So you're good. You're instantly good. good. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. So Corey says, no, we have cable here. And Sean says. Kid thing, actually. Yeah. Yeah, And now I guess everybody skateboards. But back then, like California kids skateboarded. I don't know about Philly kids, especially not in empty pools. But yeah. So Corey says, we have cable here. And Sean says, not like this. Not like this. Corey uh, says, we recently discovered that Indy did not know what channels were. What? Yeah. Why would he know what a channel is? You're right. Well, don't streaming. you have channels no on channel. YouTube? Isn't it? Don't ever, doesn't everyone have their own YouTube well, that's channel? That's a different kind of YouTube. Oh, I thought that was YouTube. what all kids watch was no. YouTube. Okay. No, he wants to, but we, we act like we we'll only go to YouTube to look. I will Smart. not let him watch YouTube. No, Smart. no, he doesn't know what a channel is. And we had to explain that it's something that's just airing and you have to choose whether to watch it or not and then i you know, got into this whole discussion about broadcast television and then i and then i was like and then cable came in he's like and then you could pick what shows to watch i'm like no no no, no. that's all that meant <laughs> then you had like 40 channels you didn't care about and three you did oh, oh my god so funny. He, he could not and we wanted we had like a 45 minute conversation about like the evolution of television and then he w- he was blown away to discover that basically like right before he was born was when you could right. actually just pick something and watch it at yeah. any time oh yeah. my gosh that's it's so instantly. funny pick your show pick your movie any content you want you can download like that didn't exist until i still say nine. by the way though like watching something on streaming if adler goes mom i don't want to watch this show i'll say okay you want me to change the channel like i still yeah right. I'll yeah. still say it's we're changing the channel, but really then I'm like, so what do you want to watch? Anything yeah, in the world. Name yeah. anything. Name yeah. a thing, anything. I'll find it. I'll get it for you. So funny. So Corey says Sean can't live in a motel. And Sean says, why not? At least it can't drive away. Corey says uh, he could stay with him. They're friends. And Sean says Corey doesn't have to worry about him. Just then, Chet calls for Sean to come downstairs. And Sean is excited. See, my dad is back. Everything's great. I loved. Goes, I just very quickly loved the, the just that very quick beat between you and and Ben, because yeah. I thought it was it wasn't about it had nothing to do with Corey and Sean, because yeah. Sean understood. He's like, I just want you to know I'm always be your friend, and you were like very earnestly like, No, I know. Like I know you're yeah. there for me. It has nothing no. to do with you right now, and I know you'll always be there for me. It was I, really I, nice, I, and I love this episode for the fact that it doesn't become about Corey. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Corey doesn't make it about himself. Exactly. Corey is concerned for his friend and he can still play a part of it, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not it, how it affects his life. And he can also still, no. re- still recognize how his situation is different and why. He still yes. notices, wow, my parents yep. are yes. reliable. Yep. And he still has the, the ending beat, which is so wonderful. Yeah. Exactly. So he still has a character arc. It's just yep. not selfish. It's just not right. like... And, but and, I yeah, love that. Yeah, it was great. You just kind of that, like, no, we're we're good. I know you're my friend. I know you're yeah. always there if I need you. Like, yeah, and you and, and, and storyline wise, you don't need this scene, right? Right, like, right. As far as like yeah. the A storyline goes, you don't need this scene. So this is the first thing to go. And the I I think it's to our show's credit, to our writers' credit, that they make sure that you have this important grounding beat where like this this friendship is not going anywhere yeah and, yeah and, and that's Corey is there for him and sean is there for Corey. you know it's just it's yeah so it's nice. great it's, it's great yeah. nice. yep 
it's also really nice too that um it helps set up that Sean a kid who has been let down over and over and over again still doesn't see it coming that he still right. has the still optimism yep. that the minute his dad is there he goes see oh, it's fine normal. my dad's back yeah. everything's yeah. great he says yeah and well, so at that age i think you're still hoping oh, it's always. you can't think that badly about your parents oh, no. and, you of know. course I not i don't think it's at that age i think it's all your life yeah, yeah. but i think you, when you grow up you see them better no but the people i know who have been like severely let down by a parent even in their 40s, are still hoping that that parent comes Yeah, back. I think that's yeah. probably true. It's, I think they, there's painful. more of a realization of knowing that it's not going to happen, but yes. they are still there's a the conscious hope. realization, but emotionally, right. oh, I'm yeah. sure. they're yeah, still I'm sure. stuck in that whatever age it was where they're hoping that their parent yeah, is that's not probably true. Yeah, that's I, everybody true. I know who's, yeah, it's it sucks. I mean, that's that's what's so hard about these things happening to children, right? Is that yeah, yeah. It gets, it, and, 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 a, and a parent, it's just, it imprints so, and if that parent imprints a uh, an abandonment, man. That's it. That, that's really yeah, hard. Yeah. 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 No, I can. Yeah. This. This is tough. This whole storyline gets very real very quickly. It's really yes, tough. Yes, it does. Yeah. And then we're in the Matthews living room. Chet thanks Turner for taking care of Sean. The most important thing is that my boy is safe and being looked after. Sean asks Chet if he found mom, and Chet says yes, but she gave me the slip again. We have to respect that, and that's why he's here. And Sean says, "Uh, I thought I'm why you're here." And Chet says he respects. Adam <laughs> and uh, you know he this calls Alan Adam and Chet asks Alan for a favor because his wife is out there and she has his heart and also his wallet his keys and his major credit card he asks he's got Alan, like one speech after another Blake has yeah, just so got like monologue 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 and he's splitting attention he's going over here and then he's going over there and then he's going over here it's a really great performance for somebody who's never been on the show before who is stepping into a role like this, he really nails this. It's also so well-written because you get this character. And not only do you get the character, but you somehow love the character. Yeah. Even though he is doing this awful thing. You're rooting for him. You like him and you're still rooting for him. Right. A lesser writing staff or a lesser writer would just make Chet a villain, right? Like just make him the easy uh, bad dad stereotype of some sort. No layers. No. no, But instead you, you love Chet, and and so you're in, you're in the same position as Sean, where you yeah. want to like this guy, yeah, and, yeah. and you don't, you know, you 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 want to let him off the hook, yeah. You, you also let him off the hook. are having the same optimism Sean has, which is this is going to work out, right? Yeah, you're going to do the right thing, right? Yeah. Like, be so back in yeah, a couple of days or a few weeks, yeah. a few weeks. Really well written, really well acted. It just worked. So yeah, it was great. It's really great. So. um He asks Alan to take care of Sean, and Corey likes that idea. Turner says Chet should probably ask his son what he thinks, and Sean says he's okay with it. But then Sean also asks why he can't just go with his dad. And again, it's one of those just heartbreaking moments. Gut-wrenching. Where you realize, like, he would give up everything. Sean would give up everything just to be with his dad. I have to sleep under, I have to sleep in a... In a yeah. trash can under a bridge doesn't matter. Leave I'd be school, with you. Whatever I got to do. Leave school. Leave yep. my best friend. Like yep. I don't care. I yep. j- you're my home. Um, yep. Is what he's saying, and it's just so painful. 
So Chet says, no, he needs to stay back and go to school. Chet says it'll only be a couple of weeks and he will call in every night. Amy and Alan tell Sean that he is more than welcome to stay with them. And Chet is thankful for these fine people. Jason and Eric then walk in and Eric has a nosebleed. Eric asks how long that tree has been out there. And Chet says, come on, Sean, let's go get you a toothbrush and a new shirt before he leaves town. And he also asks Corey, just to clarify, your name's Corky, right? Which again, he now doesn't know any of these people well enough, even though they are the most important people outside of mom and dad to Sean. And Corey is very excited to have Sean stay and Alan makes sure that Chet is coming back in a couple of weeks. And Chet says, even Texas women couldn't keep me from coming back here. And then such a Chet, random assortment of words that's actually very yeah. funny. I know. <laughs> very well, it's funny. It's like Feeney's going to have a duck. Like, is yeah. that the same? I know. Like, I've never just, heard but of it's also that, that delivery when he's got that kind of, you know, fit, uh, even text. Well, I've heard of he's going to have so a cow. Good. Yeah. So yeah, is there, cow, but has there been a saying a about having no. a duck? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Works, not. You believe it's it. Just words. Yeah. They're great. Just a heart and a duck. Yeah. It's great. Everyone leaves, and Turner tells Alan that Chet was right about one thing Alan is a good man. And now in this moment is when I realized, what did Turner want to say to Chet? Other than the the line where he said, shouldn't you ask your son what he thinks about this? Turner never, Turner doesn't actually address I Chet. thought that same thing. And then the way I rationalized it in my mind is he said, I've got some things I want to say to that man. And he was pissed. And as he's getting there, that's when Feeney says, be very careful. Don't uh-huh. cross the line. So I think it, you know, he auto, you know, course corrected right. in his mind. What he was going to say could be that what he was going to say was, listen, man, you can't ever do that again. Don't just leave your son. And then when he walked in, the news was I'm leaving my son. I'm leaving my son. son. And so he realized like, oh, this is a person who that message is is not done already. Exactly. Yeah, it's a done deal. It's funny. I thought that same thing where it was like he didn't actually address him. But Yeah. yeah. So now alone, Corey thanks Alan for coming to career day, but he left out the most important thing, all of the stuff he does after work for his friends and his family. And Corey says he thought he was the son of a grocer, but he really is the son of his father. Oh, and then they, very sweet. I yeah. know. Oh my, oh my. Amazing. It's an incredible line. It's an incredible yep. beat. And then Rusty's reaction is so not Genuine. sentimental. I know. It's just it's so, real. And yeah. it's just like, Boom, I got you, dude. And like, yeah. Oh, this is like one of my favorite endings of ever. Like, I agreed. Yep. It's so Just beautiful. He yep. smacks him on the belly. Yes. Which is so much, such a better reaction than yep. a, I'm going to have a, t- I'm going to cry. Yeah. He, it's so beautiful. Right. There's they, also not the typical sitcom music behind it. I the know. Like all that. They don't do any of that. It was no. just yeah. a father yeah. and son awesome moment yes. together. Yep. yep. Yes. They yep. shake hands. Basically, they do a little high five handshaky thing and it's the end of the episode and um, just beautiful. Awesome. So we're in the tag in the school Perfect. cafeteria. Perfect. Eric and Jason are eating and talking with all their SAT vocabulary words. Yes. Eric well, we're talking. To- this. We're not actually eating. We're pushing the pushing the food pushing around. It around. Good actor. Push Got a around lot of food. big words. A lot of big words. No, no actual bites, but a lot of big words. <laughs> Eric is starting to feel confident with the test and he's healing and he's getting all of his senses back. And Jason admits he's now worried about the math section. Eric is terrified. He didn't realize there was a math section. Jason says it's half the test. Eric says half. So what? Like 30, 40 percent. <laughs> I mean, that could have been the end of the scene right there. Absolutely. Actually. That could have just, I, 
just keep yeah. it because yeah. that killed me. I was, it was like, great. so Go. funny. You know where this is going. <laughs> and then Eric starts to panic. He gets up out of his seat and fully throws his lunch right on to Mr. Feeney. Again, we get another big food gag joke. And Mr. Well, Feeney says... It's just not that great because it's like yeah. preset food on Feeny. Uh, but yeah, it's also, yeah, if you notice, because Sue even said, Susan, even said, um, as we were watching, she's like, was there spaghetti on your plate? I didn't even see nope. that. So we went back and looked. No, there was, but there it is, wasn't yeah. me- mixed with all the salt and everything, uh, the, uh, the sauce and everything. So yeah. it was like it went from being white pasta with just a meatball on top to then being fully coated spaghetti all over. Yeah. So how and do you think this went down? Clean do you up. think that, that Michael and the team were like, we can't throw food at Bill Daniels. And so they just assumed, or do you think Bill was like, you're not throwing food at me? I don't think it has anything to do with that. The obvious way to do this is to throw food. And the problem is it's not going to stick. It would hit him and fall straight down. So it wouldn't be enough of a directed many episodes with Michael Jacobs. That would not have stopped him. He would have insisted that we can do it live and tr- every time we had food or slime or anything on Girl Meets World, right. I had to actually try and make it happen. He would never let me do then it must a have been preset, slime, preset, because the point, the comedy comes from watching it happen. So whether it sticks or not, he would have I been know. like, we have to do it live. No, you're right, because it would have so, been funnier. The funny, yes. the reveal of him covered in it is not as funny as watching never. somebody get hit with it, even exactly. if it doesn't stick. No. So I don't know. Maybe he wasn't as big of a, maybe this is when he learned it. Yeah, this is either Bill saying uh, I, I, you, you're not going to throw food or I think my take is that they preemptively were like, we can't throw. We can't throw food. It must have. Yeah, it must have been. We have to just get him a pre-made suit that has food or, on it and have it be a reveal. You're watching the moment when Michael Jacobs learned you and cannot you have, pre- <laughs> you have to do it live. And that Maybe. this is Maybe. a moment where he was like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds fine. Let's preset it. It'll be great. And, and they watch and he's like, that's not funny. That's yeah. not, not funny. Not it's not funny. I'm never doing that not, again. It's not as funny. And no, so now let's pay attention yep, if yeah. we ever see it again. Okay. But see, we've already done food and water fights and stuff. And we've all, and it's always been live. Like we've already Agreed. done that on our show and it's already been like, you know, you have to see it. The yeah. pie has to hit the face. Right. You don't just show like, you know, Somebody the then covered in pie. pie. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Interesting. Well, there we go. All right. So, um, Mr. Feeney says, I hate SAT time. And that is the end of our episode. So, I mean, what a great episode. Yep. One of our best, I think. Yep. One of the best. One of my Matt favorite. Nelson coming in strong. <laughs> coming awesome. in. Blake, Blake coming in strong. Two. Yeah, Blake yeah. coming and in Blake. strong. Maddie Nelson Blake. coming in strong. Oh, my God. Yeah. Tony yeah. Quinn and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, Deshaun and, and uh, Mr. Turner stuff coming in strong. It is, it's a great episode. Well, thank you guys for for this joining us for this episode of Pod Meets World. Our next episode will be season two, episode twenty three, Home. It is the season finale Ugh. of season two. Is I can't believe it. It originally aired May nineteenth, nineteen ninety five, and we will be welcoming back the guys from Bra Meets World for a full Pod Meets World season recap. Yes. So we have that to look forward to. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Pod Meets World Show. You can send us your emails, Pod Meets World Show at gmail dot com, and we have merch. Just another merchy Monday. I love it. Pod Meets World Show dot com. Thank you all for joining us. Will send us out. We love you all. Pod dismissed. 
Pod Meets World is an iHeart podcast produced and hosted by Danielle Fischel, Will Friedle, and Ryder Strong. Executive producers Jensen Karp and Amy Sugarman. Executive in charge of production Danielle Romo. Producer and editor Tara Sudbach. Producer Jackie Rodriguez. Engineer and Boy Meets World superfan Easton Allen. Our theme song is by Kyle Morton of Typhoon. And you can follow us on Instagram at Pod Meets World Show or email us at Pod Meets World Show at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves, and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So, make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. When I'm on my way to drop off the kids at school and I'm on about five hours of sleep and I haven't had my coffee yet, I'm truly one of a kind. Yeah, this sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. It is. But there is one thing I can do immediately to bring some comfort and calm to the situation and keep me moving forward. Eat Keebler Sandies. I like to think that if the good-looking guy was still around, sitting on the couch, comforting himself about not getting into college, he'd ditch the Cocoa Puffs and down some Keebler Sandies instead. Mixed with chocolate syrup? Ooh, why not? When you need a comforting moment for yourself, Keebler Sandies is the perfect treat to keep you going. Each Keebler Sandies shortbread cookie is baked to perfection by the Keebler Elves for a light sweetness and a texture that melts in your mouth. The next time you feel like you're juggling it all, reach for Keebler's Sandy's Shortbread Cookies to enjoy a simple moment of comfort. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions, and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only.